you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. I'm going to pose a question to you, and I want you to truthfully answer this. What do you think comprises of a win? So like when you're playing a game of any sort, what would you, what elements have to be in play for you to say, oh, okay, that person's going to win? Does it have to be experience? Does it have to be a particular track record? Does it have to be stature? There, Okay, so if we look at boxing, right? Mike Tyson probably wouldn't have been the best basketball player. Why? Why, why would we say that? Maybe because he's not tall enough. We've never seen him jump. I don't know. So in that particular case, we're looking at his stature and going, I don't know if he can outshoot <laughs> fill in the blank for your favorite basketball person. Like, I don't know if on a if on a Chef Curry contest, if he will be able to, I don't know. You know, I, can't, I wouldn't be able, if I was a gambling grandbaby, I wouldn't be able to put my money there confidently is what I'm saying, right? But if we were to take, okay, so Chef Curry, because since we brought him up, he's dope at basketball. We, we, we're not even going to hold him, right? Would he win in whatever the weight class would be in boxing? Let's just switch it. Do we not have the confidence? Why? Because we're looking at his stature? We don't really? Oh, okay. Now, would Mike Tyson win in boxing? Of course. Why? Stature again, but more so track record. Okay, so you feel what I'm getting now? What are some of the things that personally to you, when you analyze the situation for someone else, that you would say, oh, yeah, that's a definite win? But now let's flip it. What are some of the things in your life that when you analyze it, you're confident enough to say, oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to win? I'm definitely going to conquer that. I'm definitely going to be able to go ahead and secure the bag or whatever it is. But like this particular situation, yeah, it is customized for me to win. I already know it. I'm confident in that. Do you feel like you have to have the finances to do A, B, and C? Do you feel like you have to have the degree or the accolades or the experience? Do you feel like you need to be in a particular location because you know nobody's looking for such and such over there? Uh, like what is it that when you look at your particular hand in life, you're like, mm, if I had A, B, and C, I would win. I'll tell you where this is coming from. Recently, my husband and I have grown a fond liking, if you will, for two-man spades. And I tell you how we play it. We literally deal the game out for four players, right? And then we get to choose which hand we're going to play. But dealers first, right? So if I deal it out, mm, 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 all the way around, okay? And then I get to choose that one to my right, then now husband has three options as to what hand he's getting ready to choose. And from the hand that he is dealt, he gets to now bid, as like myself, on how much, how many books you think you're getting ready to win in. So there were times that he picked up his hand and he was like, oh, five. And I was like, no way possible because I have five. And so we, you know, 
if you don't know, and you should know, if you're not that kind of grandbaby, you have a nice day. But the maximum books that you can make is 13. So if I got five and he's saying he got five, then where's the other three, sir? <laughs> okay. But we don't know what's in each other's hand. So all we're doing is bidding based on what? Based upon how we know for this particular game to be played. So, you know, we set the rules in the beginning. Okay, so it's big joker, little joker, you know, deuce of diamond, deuce of spade, then the ace. That's top five, right? Because that's how we're going to play it. We're going to play no overs, you know, so we, the first person to get to 400, you know, wins. And as we were playing the game, I noticed that the books that I didn't count, they were, I was making books. I was throwing out a 10 of diamond thinking we're going to keep it moving. Buddy threw out an 8 of diamond. I was like, huh, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Hello? Okay. And so every time I would bid based on what I had, I literally didn't account for the fact that he may not have that in his hand. It may be in the other books that wasn't chosen, the, the other hands that wasn't chosen, right? And so I was like, hmm. Okay, so after a while, I started feeling myself, and I'm like, okay, this is going to walk, this is going to walk, this is going to walk, and I got stuck. Yeah, I went for a strong five, knowing I only had a four. It was really strong, and I was like, I'm sure one of these other books are going to walk. No, I didn't know um, that God had anointed, you know, his space hand, and I just was really confused on why I didn't get that memo. And so that happened, and so I was like, hmm, okay. But, you know, I'm always going to connect something to some type of lesson. And so what I said was, how many times we are we dealt a hand and we don't play to the hand that we have? A lot of the times we look at our hand and we go, I don't have anything. And God is like, watch this. <laughs> and things start happening and connecting. You're like, what? How did this... I didn't even apply for that job. That was just like word of mouth. I didn't, as a matter of fact, I saw this particular flyer. I kind of just was like, hey, and it just led to that. Um, I just so happened to, it's a lot of just so happened to, but what it really is uh, equated to is that the Holy Spirit unctioned you and led you somewhere. And for the first time you didn't fight it. And so actually flowing in the vein of the Holy Spirit sounds a lot like, I don't know, it just happened. I don't know. It's, honestly, I wasn't even, I don't know. I felt led to, mm -mm, something told me. You know how the word goes ahead and the world rather describes the Holy Spirit. But the word is saying that you're being led, right? How many times are we looking at our hand and going, Ugh, I don't know, and God shows up? And then how many times do we get overly confident? And we like, I got this. I don't need no more help, God. You good. <laughs> I've been doing this. I know that. Oh, and now you stuck. And so now you got to come back to God to get what? Proper direction, right? After our last conversation on you were trained for this, with me getting super excited about that Kenyan grandbaby, oh, my goodness, I, I decided, I said, I hung up from you. I had to get it off me because it, <laughs> it was a lot of, lot of energy there. And I was like, I want to look at some more. So I went back on YouTube and I was like, okay, well, let me look up because I, I seem to be the grandbaby that gets some type of spiritual application by watching people run. I don't understand it, but it works for me. So let's just get it. And so I went up and I looked up a few videos on Allison Felix. And this one particular video was kind of, it was different from the others because Allison Felix was now narrating this one. 
I was like, oh, I guess she was in an interview. I don't know. And they were showing the video on cross-reference. It was super inspiring. And in this particular video, it was a four-woman relay race. She runs for USA. And it was for the Olympic, uh, I guess, stage. And they were able to, once they passed this, they would be able to go on and move so on and so forth. She explained that when you have a four-woman relay, that you want one of your faster runners to be the second leg because the second leg happens to be the race that is often ran the longest and so you want someone with like some tenacity in them to get it done within a record time because that's where usually it makes or break the win so Allison Felix was the second leg she was like you know I got a good grace my legs are long da 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 whatever it is she was made for this cool let the grandbaby go so I'm watching the race and it's like on your mark get set pink i don't know how some listen uh, pause real quick if i was any one of those grandbabies please put me anywhere but one because that flinching sound with that gun mm-mm, mm-mm, i don't do well you're gonna have me fall start and, and, and the whole game gonna be shot please don't do that so put me somewhere in the third uh yeah, I think third is good. It's not the pressure of finishing, but it's the, you know, if the second person did their job, then I can go ahead and do my good grandbaby business. But that's another story for another day. And so she goes ahead and she's she's running. The first person runs, bang, they're getting it done. Whew, ha, ha, ha. Okay, cool. Then pass it up a time. Boom, Allison Phyllis, get it. Meow. I'm talking about little mama was road runner. You hear me talking to you? Okay, I'm talking about Doris, ma'am. Okay, what battery, not even blood type, what battery do you take? Because my goodness, do you understand that? And so she's in it, and I'm I'm watching the, the, the race. I'm getting goosebumps now talking about it, just reflecting on it. And I was like, yo, she's a, she's, she's a beast. It's outrageous. And when she goes to hand the baton to the third person, she drops the baton. Do you see my face? Do you see my face? Automatically, she takes her hands, and you can hear her, no, and, like, puts her hands up. And, you know, then she does, like, what I'm going to do, what I'm going to do, what I'm going to do. And when they showed the slow-mo of, like, oh, what happened? They showed that the other lane, the other team, bumped into her when passing, came into USA's lane, and that's how the baton got thrown, right? So now I'm looking and I'm like, dang, but she did run a good race. I ain't going to hold you. And so I'm, I'm ready to just see who, who wins now. All of a sudden now, I see Allison go back and get the baton. So this is where she starts narrating, where I start paying attention now. She said, and I quote, I knew that we had to finish the race. Because the rule is you have 30 minutes to get the officials to appeal the race in order for you to get another chance. And so you see her go back, get the baton, give it give it to the next person, third leg, runs, 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 makes it happen. I'm talking about like life dependent on it, right? Then the, gave it to the fourth person, run, 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 and they went ahead and finished it. And Allie, you see Allison Felix going ahead and finding the official and telling her coaches and making it happen. So the officials told her, okay, we're going to review this. Y'all go ahead and go to the bat. But if we accept it, please be prepared to run again. So they was like, cool. So I guess they in the back, adrenaline just doing all types of things. Like, okay, great. 
and they accepted it. So they called the girls back out. They're like, all right. Um, I thought they was going to make everybody run. No, no, no. Only USA had to run in their particular lane. So I'm like, oh, okay. And so Allison Felix said that was one of the most difficult runs because the crowd is quiet, right? It's not that that energy and that, yay, and go, 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 because all the other lanes are filled. And she said it's difficult to know how fast you're going when nobody else is running with you. That was a word right there. That was a word right there, and I'm going to let it mean to you what it needs to mean to you. But what I sensed was oftentimes we're looking to our left, we're looking to our right, and we're getting kind of uh, distracted from our own lane. But what you don't understand is that you don't have a proper gauge on your momentum until you see other people running the same path that you're on, just in their lane. Stop trying to push people away. Stop trying to know I like to do things by myself. Stop trying to have this isolated way of, no, 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 you don't understand. You run your best when other people are in their lane running the same race. But that's, listen, we'll hold that conversation for another day. So now they get in the lane. And they all four of these girls, okay, same order, need to run a particular number. You need to finish this by a certain time, ma'ams, in order to qualify and get to the next level. So they go, boom, boom, this is them running, right? This is the sound that I hear in my head as the, the spikes are hitting the pavement. I'm like, these women are out of control, and guess what? Hand clap of praise, those grandbabies win. Okay? Felt good about that. I was like, you know what? Excited. But that's not where it ends. So they made it to the next level, right? So you think, whew, coasting. No. How is it that uh, they get to the fourth the, or, or, or the, the next stage? And Allison Felix narrated again, and she's like, I looked over at my teammate and saw her scrimmaging, you know, rummaging rather through her, her bag, trying to find her. And she left her spikes. Ma'am came to the Olympic qualifying race and left her track shoes. How did you do that? I'd rather you leave your cell phone and nobody can't contact you than you leave the thing that's going to. So I'm like, oh, so a lady never tells her number, right? But Allison Felix said she and I don't wear the same shoe size at all. So to make it dramatic and to feed my, you know, um, just very creative brain, I'm like, little mama had to have been like a seven, like her teammates a seven. And I'm thinking Allison Felix is like a strong 10 because let me tell you why I put that together. Because the teammate, Allison Felix said, she had to tie her sneakers very tight. You only tie them if you feel like you're getting ready to slip into a clown shoe, okay? I mean, I don't want to talk about nobody's grandbaby because I know what kind of shacks I'm walking around with. But at this time, you telling me she got to go ahead and tie it real tight? That means it's a whole bunch of air in there, ma'am, okay? And so I'm like, ooh, <laughs> that, um, that's a problem. I ain't going to hold you. Uh, but guess what? They won. They won. And so the the overall message that kept raining, I mean, just in that one YouTube snippet, just in my husband and I playing two-man spaces, are you playing your hand accurately? 
Like how many times are you going to let something happen in your life where it emotionally affects you and, and you have all reason to, but it should never, ever, ever stop you in your lane. I said, these women had great reason to be like, you know what? At least we made it this far. You know, at least we, you know, I mean, how many people get to say, but that's not enough. When God aligns you to your purpose and you feel that, a.k.a. in something called passion, then you better run this race until God closes the lane. How did Noah know that it was time to go ahead and be in the boat securely? Because the Bible says, and then God shut the door. Yeah, read your Bible. Okay, once Noah went ahead and built, he had no more control on where the animals went, or n- nothing to that degree. It was he went ahead and got in the boat and God shut the door. So you keep building, you keep going, you keep pursuing, you keep, I don't know if you got to just go ahead and, and pray the, for the Duracell battery spirit to come over you, but there is something in you that needs to be shaken, awakened, and, and to be I ain't gonna hold you slapped because at this point, what you you better not make a I'm, and I'm gonna grip my teeth. You better not make another excuse. You better not make another excuse. I just told you in the last conversation that we just saw Buddy run a whole steeplechase and he lost a shoe and ran. I just told you that Allison Felix just lost a whole baton, okay, and still was like, ooh, you know what? Matter of fact, I ain't gonna let me um mm, let me go back and try to do something different. I just told you this woman left her sneakers, okay, at an Olympic stage and was like, I just, if God, if God let me come all the way to this point, if I have arrived to this point, then I'm going to show up everywhere that God allows me to be. And that's what you got to get on. You got, and I hate to go ahead and punch my hand in my fist, but you know I'm from New York. Yep. So it got to be done. If God allowed you to be in that space, you better run your race and stop playing these emotional games. Stop getting all you know, soft in the, but you don't understand the hardship. It's not ideal, but it don't have to be ideal for you to win. You got to know the game better. If you know that there's a kingdom of darkness set up to see you lose, then you better know another way to win. Even if it causes you to run a whole race with one shoe. Even if it requires for you to go ahead and get the baton and do something different. Even if it requires for you to run in shoes too big and you never did that your entire career. Even if it requires for you to do something you've never done. If you got to do it now, that's still a chance for you to win. Stop playing with me. Stop playing with your own destiny. And let me tell you something, the, the golden nugget was not that she picked up the baton and kept running. The golden nugget was that she knew the rule. She knew the rule. Let me tell you something. If I was to spiritually, majestically, whatever you want to call it, get to a track and field and then let me run an Olympic game and the baton dropped, I would have walked off. Simply because I do not, and prior to watching that video, I did not know that rule. Buddy, the baton dropped. What you want me to do? It was real. I enjoyed the peanuts. Let's go. <laughs> like it's time to go home. The Bible says my people perish from a lack of knowledge. 
when God puts you in your specified sphere of influence, you better do everything you can to seek knowledge, to know your particular sphere inside out. That woman single-handedly ushered her USA teammates to an Olympic stage. Why? Because she knew the rules for her hand. So what are the things that you have to do to play your hand accurately? I'm glad you asked that, grandbaby. Number one, what are the rules? What are the rules for your particular set sphere of influence? Stop waiting for somebody else to educate you. Stop waiting for your only teacher to be bumping your shin and then bumping your head and bumping parts of your pinky toe and then for pain to be your teacher. I'm so glad that Allison Felix didn't stop running, go back, and then one of her coaches be like, you know that if you drop the baton, you got 30 minutes, right? Like, oh, I didn't know that an hour later. That's information too late. That's when you have to feel the lesson before you actually gain the lesson. You don't always have to feel something in order to gain the wisdom. Once you start seeking something, and I know sometimes we try to be spooky booky, like I don't want to speak nothing into existence. Listen, whatever your lane is, you need to know everything. Every part of that. Don't wait for no coach to teach you. If it has something to do with you winning your race, you need to be engulfed in that information. And I'm screaming at myself right now. Because so many times I have waited for someone in leadership because they had this particular experience and they got this particular certification and they have this particular degree under their belt and they wasn't able to teach me nothing. Teaching looks a lot like I am equipping you for every portion of your particular seat so that you can win even when they're not there. Why is it that now people in leadership, people in whatever sphere of your particular influence, they are not rolling out the red carpet enough to make you a fisherman? They're just, teach, they're just giving you fish. And the Bible clearly says, teach a man to fish. Teach a man to fish, not just feed them, feed them, feed them, or look at them like, you know, and this is the joke right here. Thank you, Holy Spirit. When the disciples came to Jesus and was like, we should go ahead and shoo all these 5,000 plus people away so they can go eat. Um, yeah, so we, we should go ahead and let them go. Jesus looked at, looked at them and as sarcastic as my brother is, big Jesus, shouts out to you. Um, he was like, you feed them. Too many times we got too many people seeing the problem and the only way they know how to solve it is letting somebody else do it. You so you allowed 5,000 plus people to follow you knowing that you didn't have no food, knowing that y'all were getting a little steep <laughs> past any corner store and you were like, mm, so you waited to whatever minute, you know, last minute, I like to say, and then went to Jesus like, so we should go ahead and make them walk back now because, um, yeah. So Jesus was like, uh... You feed them. Guess what? They didn't even have the know-how to feed them. They were like, um, buddy, what? Listen, you see how many people there are? If It would take a whole year's wage to feed these 5,000 plus people. We don't, have, we don't have anything. We don't have. So Jesus was like, so what do we have? Oh, we don't have anything but um, a boy's lunch. Yeah, he got two fish and five loaves. But, like, we don't have anything. Again, is that how you just bid your hand? 
Did you just bid your hand, disciple, by looking at it and going, mm, let me see it carry the one. That's not good. Yeah, we don't even have board. Like, really? Because that's a joker. And that's the ace. Those are spades. They may not be high spades, but those are spades. I think you still have a running chance in the game. That's what I'm trying to get you to see. How do you play your hand, too? Stop looking at your hand so small. Stop looking at what you have so small. Start going to God and being like, listen, all I got is this little flask of oil. <laughs> Remember when the prophet uh, spoke to that woman in the Bible and was like, um, so what do you have? She was like, nothing but a flask of oil. So then that's not nothing. Why did you look at your hand so small? You told Jesus, y'all should go ahead and send him back because we don't have nothing. He was like, so then what do you have? I believe in my heart that we serve a God that if we come to him to with anything and we believe it in our heart, no matter how small it is, he'll make it grand. How, how do I know that? Mm, experience. How do I know that? Mm, the Bible. But you want to know what my number one indicator of that is? Is that he told you, come to me with a, with the faith the size of a mustard seed. Do you know how small a mustard seed is? I want you to Google on your own time, okay? The size of a mustard seed. It literally, okay, uh, probably is a little bit bigger than uh, the tip of a pen, how is it that you can go to God with a mustard seed size faith and he does grand things in your life? How? How is that possible? So then if you can go to God with a mustard sized seed of faith and he does great things in your life, what else could you bring to God that looks small to you, but he can make it grand in your life? Could you bring that bank account as is? Could you bring that dream as is? Could you, let me tell you something. You better start going ahead and revving yourself in, up in the spirit. I'm telling you now, I went ahead and tracked uh, Tabitha Brown and her story. And the one thing that I love about her is that she doesn't hide that she came from small beginnings. You better start looking at your hand different. That's how you play your hand. What do you what else you need to do to go ahead and um play your hand accurately? So glad you asked me again, grandbaby. Good job for you. There's a gold star. Is um keep running your race. So many times we look at certain aspects of the race and say, oh, it's done. How? Let me explain something to you. I hate to sound like the old people in the church with the big hat, but it ain't over until God says it's over. Until God says it's over, it ain't over. Yes, but mm, 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 it's done. No, 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 no. I had to do it. It's not over until God says it's over. So many times we look at a situation and we like it's done. Honestly speaking, dropping a baton would that have been done for you? I'm gonna be honest. It would have been done for me. I ain't gonna hold you. <laughs> um, not having your sneakers, would that have been done? Yeah, I, I can see that too. Um, seeing that you don't have all the space in your hand and you you said a hand ago that you was going to go for a blind five and you looking like, oh, I don't even have four. Do you call in the hand? Are you calling in the hand too soon? And I feel like we fall within two gauges. We either throw in the hand too soon or we stay in that lane too long. But it's like, uh, I need you to understand that there is an ebb and flow when it comes to the Holy Spirit. 
He does not give you the um, and I'm gonna go ahead and be super super duper cliche right now. He gives you the grace for your race. And in that, you will truly know when it's time to stop, when it's time to keep going. But there are certain things that you have to do in order to be competent in your lane. You can't just go, uh, show up somewhere. Like, I don't care how fast Allison Felix is. She couldn't just show up. She, she had to eat a certain way. She had to train a certain way. I'm sure she had to sleep a certain way beforehand. I'm sure she had to go ahead and make sure that certain outfits fit a certain way. She she said in her narration that she always brings extra uh, sneakers with her. Why is that? Maybe she saw before, like, yo, it can get lost in, in, in luggage or in plane flights. Who know? Maybe she's like, I seen it get mixed up sometimes. But you are supposed to see hardships and you're supposed to see things that look unideal and you're supposed to say, you know what, this is how I'm going to prepare for that. You prepare as much as you can for your race and then the rest is on God. The rest is on God. But please don't show up to your race with a beer belly, two hours of sleep. No, that's not happen chance. You didn't do what was supposed to be done to be competent for your lane. You are responsible for your lane. God is responsible for giving you the grace for that race. The end. That's how that partnership goes. And so I was going ahead. You know that I always try my best to bring it back to the Bible. You know, I read in the NLT version. And I said, who can I reference this back to? Because you already know I'm on one. And real quick, we could just jump right into it. David and Goliath. Mm hmm. First Samuel 17, you know, I read in the NLT version, getting ready to read from verse 32. Let's just go. So just a little backdrop real quick. Sorry. So this is where David is come, going downtown, right? His dad was like, listen, drop off this ham and cheese sandwich real quick and the Capri Sun and a couple of cookies to your brothers. And then also see how they doing. Check to see if everything's all right. David was like, cool. And then he's seeing um, Goliath and he was like, uh... Why he taunting y'all? <laughs> and so he gathered the information that needed to be gathered to make the decision he needed to make. And this is where we pick up. Verse 32. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. 33. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. And he's been a man of war since his youth. 34. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. <laughs> 36. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. 37. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from the Philistine. Saul finally contested. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. 38. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. 39. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. 40. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them in the shepherd's bag. Then, armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. 41. 
Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him. 42. Sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. 43. Am I a dog? He roared at David. That you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his God. Mm. 44. Come over here. And I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. 45. David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you defied. 46. Today the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals. And the whole world would know that there is a God in Israel. 47. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give us, give you to us. Mm. 48. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David ran out to meet him. <laughs> David ran quickly, the Bible says. Okay, 49. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. 50. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. 51. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from his sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. I'm about to run. I'm about to I'm about to run around somebody's church. Let me tell you something. What did David just teach us? Like I said in my last conversation, you've been already trained for your upcoming race. You've already been trained for it. You don't got to do nothing different. You don't have to do anything different. Just pull out what you've been doing. Just go ahead and tap into what, you, what you've been doing. I promise you, you come with confidence. You step into that. You just give God your yes and your amen. God will give you the supernatural anointing. Do you think that five stones was enough to go ahead and bring someone down? Let me explain something to you. David threw the sling, but God put the supernatural behind it. Do you understand me? Do you understand me? You don't let nobody tell you what you can't do. That's a Saul mindset. You don't then let that same person give you some the way that you should do it. Nope, I'm going to do what you're doing. I'm watching you use your ammo wrong. And so what you can't do is, is extend that ammo over to me because I don't want to misuse it. If it's something I've never done before, you can't give it to me because this is something you've done before and you're not using it accurately. Please don't let somebody tell you how to uh, navigate in your marriage. Yeah, I, I saw you married twice and it didn't work for you. So don't give that to me in my new marriage. <laughs> I, I apologize. Don't want to bring up nobody's good grandbaby's business, but let's just keep it a hundred. No, no, no. I, no, no. I, I see the way that you handle your salary. Please don't give me any financial advice uh, because this is a, a, a new path for me. Yeah, I want to build generational wealth. I want to go ahead and do something different in my bloodline. I don't want to do what you've been doing because it looks like it hasn't been working for you for some time. So don't come over here and try to tell me how I need to work this out. Thanks, <laughs> but no thanks. I promise you, the, the lesson here, how do you play your hand? How do you play it? It, it, it? it couldn't be any clearer. 
You got biblical references. You got references on YouTube. You got, listen, how are you currently right now playing your hand? And that's, that's, that's going to be your, listen, that's your challenge. I want you to be brave enough to take an assessment in the area that you're currently losing in or the place that you currently think that you're losing in because it's not fair. You know, the, the stacks are it's stacked up against you. You know, it, it, yo, n- nobody ever wins that particular court hearing. <laughs> nobody, nobody usually, it usually takes this long for someone to get promoted. Yeah, you usually don't do A, B, and C. I know what everybody usually does, but uh, how do you see your hand? And more importantly, how are you presenting that to God? Do you sound like a disciple where you're like, all we have is two fish and five loaves? Okay. Do you sound like the, the widow? All I have is a flask of oil. But, buddy, we just read, David had five smooth stones. Huh? And, and you going against somebody else with a sword and, and, and the whole, I'm talking about if, uh, being a soldier was a package on Amazon. He got the premium package. <laughs> You're not even in the, in the running of any of the packages because none of the packages say, yeah, you can get five smooth stone. It's, it's been known to win. And that's why I asked you in the beginning of our conversation, how do you specify a win? Because if you were David, would you have looked at five smooth stones? Like, oh, this is a guarantee. I'm getting ready to knock Goliath out. It's going to be a wrap. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, can I go? Can, can I just give you a lesson the Holy Spirit just gave me just now, real time? I don't even hear documented where David used five smooth stones. He just told Saul, um, "I go after my sheep um, with a staff, right? Uh, and if the animal tries to go ahead and do something to me, um, I just club it to death." Which wouldn't make more sense. And I want to go back just to make sure I'm in good standing. So 34. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. He said, when a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears. And I do the same to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. Real quick, David, um, you don't have a club. You saying that would have made sense if you were running toward Goliath with a club because you have a track record of that working on lions and bears. Oh, my. So why are you now running towards Goliath with five smooth stones? (laughs) Holy Spirit is dope. You know what I believe? I believe that um, when the situation is presented... You don't wait until it's ideal. You use what's around you and you make it happen. I'm sure Buddy looked around like, um, what's something that I can use? It's no sticks. Okay, cool. Um, no, your sword is not going to do it. And that the whole bronze and helmet and all that is too heavy. And I didn't do my hair for this. Um, yeah, so I'm going to just pick up what I've seen before, even though I don't have a track record that it worked. I'm going to go ahead and do what I feel led even though it doesn't make logical sense. I've never seen nobody win with with five smooth stones. I don't even see that David used five smooth stones before. So how? And you want to know something else the Holy Spirit's bringing up to me now that's blowing my mind? (laughs) Not only do I not know if you used five stones before, 
But the first time that I ever hear of David using a sword was to take Goliath and to kill him with it and cut off his head. When have you done that? Oh, spectacular things happen when you let God use you. You do things that you've never done before in the midst of collecting the wind. You do things that you've never done before in the midst of collecting the win. W-I-N, in the mist. So many times we try to go back and train for it and then go ahead and cut and paste. It doesn't work like that all the time. Sometimes you get real life, now or never situations, and I need you to choose now, but I need you to go ahead and make sure that God's behind you. Because David didn't have a strong arm. The sling wasn't super duper like it, it wasn't one that you put the, you know, a little rubber band something by the tree and then you pull the way back. Yeah, it's not the ones we, we, we seen on TVs and cartoons at time. This was a regular handheld situation. OK, um, I don't know what Buddy's throw is. I don't ha- know that he has a track record of throwing far, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you what. He not only had to throw far, he had to throw high. This man is nine feet plus. The Bible was saying about Goliath. That's a, I don't know what the wind was like, okay? But I can tell you it was a lot of things that were stacked against him. But there's something about standing firm and having the confidence that, nope, if God let me see it, if God let me to it, then God has to bring me through it, period. I'm going to show up with confidence. God's going to put his super on my natural. The end. And that's how you play your hand. Oh, yeah, I'm getting ready to close. Um, I feel like you got what you needed. <laughs> you know what these conversations are. They are life-provoking conversations, conversations that not everybody's going to have with you, but who? Your favorite homegirl. Mm-hmm. Listen, I'm super inspired. I almost want you to pay me for this conversation, but listen, I, I'm going to let the Lord pay me back spiritually because I'm always going to be rich there. You understand? But um, I am going to let you let me go, okay? Later.